How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? It is the L-E-F-K-O-E man, and today I'm joined by Mr. David Ingber because it is Labor Day, and we are breaking down the AFC, and I need my good buddy with me. Ingber, it was a marathon last year, and you told me I had to split it up this season. <laughs> yeah, the world has changed since 2019, and it turns out people don't like three hours and 45-minute podcasts, so we're splitting it up into two, almost two-hour podcasts. Just kidding. It's going to be a shorter than that. I, yeah, I think it'll be a lot less. And I think uh, part of it, I'll say, is as I go through looking for information, guys, it has never been harder to find information about an NFL season. Uh, before I could find injury information so centralized, and now uh, these teams are able to kind of, I don't want to say hide, but I really don't know the status of a lot of these players um, I obviously relied heavily on my guy, Warren Sharp's book. Right. Uh, I went through and I looked at my own depth charts and just kind of my own notions about it. And I do have some statistics and trends that I think you can take something from, but I'm going to be honest compared to last year, man, it's, it's so much tougher, but I think that's also expected, right? It's that thing of when you're keeping your kid out of school during COVID, the one solace that you have is that everyone else is dealing with the exact same situation. Totally. So you feel like your your AFC preview is needing something else. Well, every other media guy in the world is feeling that way as well. When I also factor in, we have no idea how a lack of home field advantage is going to impact these teams. We really have no idea if any flare-ups are going to happen. Uh, I know that I nailed the Ravens as the first seed in the AFC last year. If I do that again this year, I mean, pinch me, because that would be incredible. Uh, for A few things I want to get off before we jump in division by division, the AFC is a few of the overarching statistics that I like to use last year and just continuing them. One thing that I mentioned last year, remember, was second-year quarterbacks and the jump that they make. Uh, when you add in so this was before last season. Remember, they seven of those eight teams had better records than the year before. The four teams that we included last year, Bills, Jets, Ravens, Browns, two went up. Josh Allen and the Bills, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Uh, the Browns took a big step back with their new head coach, Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield. The Jets, they took a big step back last year with their new head coach and Adam Gase. And I'm kind of wondering, is there anything to that? The changing of the head coach. So that record now is 9-12, and 12, and there are five teams this year st- – having a second-year quarterback going into that year. The Cardinals, Kyler Murray, the only team that has the same head coach play caller with their second-year quarterback, Daniel Jones. He now has um, our our cool guy from uh, Jason Garrett, the Clapper. Washington, they move on to Ron Rivera and Scott Turner with Dwayne Haskins, now officially named the starter. Gardner Minshew, in Jacksonville now has a new offensive coordinator as well, Jay Gruden, formerly of Washington. And the Broncos with Drew Locke, they moved to Daniel Jones's former coach, Patrick Shermer. So really, if you're going to make me a betting man, the only one of those that I really like this trend is Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. We'll get to that in the NFC. But, Ingber, when I read you those other names, Daniel Jones, Haskins, Gardner Minshew, Drew Locke, of them, which one do you have the most hope? Um, I just keep hearing things about Daniel Jones that his big issue last year was fumbling and that has been his one, two, three, four, and five priority that if you take away his, whatever it was, eight to 10 fumbles last year, he might've been in a lot more of those games and he showed some flashes. He's 
sneaky athletic. He can run for touchdowns in the red zone. So I, I want to believe that uh, he's something he can give, give the Giants a little bit of a flash the way uh, Patriots fans are hoping Cam Newton will give the Patriots some flash this year. Um, also, I love Drew Locke. I, I like the I like the way he plays. I like the things they hear about him, but it might not be this year that it all happens because it's too many new weapons. It's a lot of changeover, as you mentioned, new coach and everything. So that that's a little scary for a second-year coach, but I believe in him. We'll get into the Jaguars and Broncos later. I went in wanting to come out here and say Gardner and Drew Locke were going to have big years. I don't know if I can say that, but I agree with you. If there's one other guy that I feel like, similar to last year we saw with Josh Allen, it would be Daniel Jones for me, but we'll get into to the NFC. The other thing that I, I brought up last year, and boy, did it hold true. Remember I brought up that statistic that since 1989, so now it's 31 years, teams that have gone 6-1 and one or have won five more than they lost in one-score games. Mm, I love one-score game stats. What happened the next year? So the following year since 1989, those teams went 39 and 45 in one score game after the year before going six and one. So they were less than 500. Remember that. Last year, the teams that entered the year, the Cowboys, the Rams, the Dolphins, and Chargers were all either six and one or won five games more than they lost. Cowboys went 0 and 5 last year in those games. Rams went three and three. Chargers went two and nine, and the Dolphins somehow went four and two. But all of those teams were teams that either made the playoffs on, on uh, and in the Dolphins went seven and nine. And then last year, the Cowboys went eight and eight, the Rams went nine and seven, the Chargers went five and eleven, the Dolphins went five and eleven. It was pretty unbelievable to see that regress to the mean. Now, this year, there are four teams that went six and one or won, more than, won five games more than they lost in one-score games. And one would think that they would regress. The Packers went 6-1. and one. The Texans went 8-3. and three. Mm. The Saints went 6-1. and one. And the Seahawks went 9-2. and two. There was one team that was close, and that was the Ravens. They went 5-1. and one. So... In terms of the AFC, what jumps out to me right away, as you said, the Texans and the Ravens, they won those close games. But I would also say that for teams like the Saints, Seahawks, and Ravens, they're better teams with good quarterback play that win at the, those times of games. But these will definitely play in a pack because I think Packers, Texans, they're, they're teams that I circle and I kind of get wary of. What did you take when I said those numbers? Well, regression to the mean stats are all about unsustainability. And when you've got a guy like Russell Wilson or a guy like Drew Brees who has shown sustainability that they win close games year after year, decade after decade, it's actually not just a regression to the mean. It's that Russell Wilson goes into a fourth quarter when his team's down by two points and he says, what do I need to do in order to eke out this game and win by one or two or three points? Not how do I score as many points possible, right? So Russell Wilson is a guy that wins football games. I feel like you can just bank him for double digit wins every year. Drew Brees, I know he's gone seven to nine a few times, but with the good defense that they have now and the weapons they have, how are you going to say that they're not going to have 10 or 11 wins? I feel like a veteran quarterback who has a track record of winning close games trumps the uh, the unsustainability of, hey, they went 6-1 and one last year, and I don't believe that's going to happen. As we go through the AFC teams today, I will also list the teams that have the really poor 
one score win records from last year and who can regress to that other mean going up. Yeah, that's always positive too. Yeah, people forget about the other side of it. Ingber, you're going to go through division by division. You're going to give me the Vegas odds. And then I'm going to tell you initially if I think that they're onto something or if I think that there is an arbitrage and I'll go through uh, the divisions and pick them out. So let's start off with your division, the AFC East. How does Vegas see it? Vegas, uh, unsurprisingly, has the Dolphins in fourth at plus 850 to win the division, plus 8,000 to win the Super Bowl. And by the way, so people know the nomenclature, if I say plus 8,000 to win the Super Bowl, that means it's an 800 to one payout. If you were to pay, if you were to put uh, a one, $100 on, you would win $8,000 if they won the Super Bowl. So Dolphins plus 850 to win the division, plus 8,000 to win the Super Bowl. The Jets are placed in third, plus 750 to win the division. So about equal with the Dolphins and the same in Super Bowl odds, plus 8,000. Buffalo Bills, big jump up at second place. Uh, they're plus 125 to win the division. So very close to even odds, says Vegas. And uh, 25 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. And a lot of respect to the Belichick system. The Patriots are plus 115 to win the division. So about even. And uh, about 18 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, plus 1,800. How did those numbers look to you when you first saw them? I think it's just the respect for Bill Belichick and Vegas saying like, I don't really know what to do with these other three, these other three teams. And just saying like, if I had to put my money behind one, I would just back the horse of the Patriots know what they're doing. And they always seem to get it done with 10 or 11 wins. All right. Here is how I see it. Uh, I think that Vegas has this division wrong. Interesting. The bottom is undoubtedly going to be Jets and Dolphins. What scares me about the Jets, and even though the Dolphins are stockpiling rookies, they, they've invested into positions that I trust, and I'm really worried about the Jets. Here's why I have the Jets in fourth. The Jets have the 30th, so they have the third toughest strength of schedule according to Vegas. They have the number one toughest strength of schedule change Mm. from last year to this year, which is crazy because if you remember how they started last year, it seemed like every game was impossible. Also, they were 5-1 and in one-score games last year. So they didn't make that cutoff for the awful regression, but they're right there with Baltimore. The Jets, Jets wide receivers right now are completely hurt. They, 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 their Denzel Mims can't play. Uh, they're injured all over the field. They're signing random guys. I believe that Chris Herndon's going to have a monster year for the Jets. I did get him in the LFGL Fantasy League. I noticed that. I look at their defense. CJ Mosley, Mosley opts out with uh, COVID 19. He doesn't want to play. So they go and they sign another Ravens linebacker, Patrick on Wasser. He's going to be out the first five weeks of the season. They face the second toughest schedule of pass defenses in the NFL, and they also face the toughest schedule of passing offenses. And this is a team that just got rid of Jamal Adams. So I I think that they're going to be in shootouts, and when they're in shootouts, they're facing the second toughest schedule of passing offenses. Granted, Warren spotlighted this, and it made me laugh. They were 31st in fumble luck and 30th in foot field goal luck. Um, and I will say that they go, 
I just think that the Jets have nothing that they do well, and I do not trust Adam Gase, and I feel bad for Sam Darnold, and this feels like an Adam Gase has let go middle of the season, and that Sam Darnold is having to face a play for somebody else. I look at the Dolphins, and the reason I put them third is while they did go out and spend a lot of money in free agency, and typically those teams don't do well the first year, I feel like they went and attacked players that know the scheme already. I love Kyle Van Noy. I love Byron Jones and what he can bring to that team. And when you look at what the fact that they already have a key to leave, they already have Xavier Howard. The secondary, they now have guys that can play man-to-man. And I'm not really worried about learning scheme when all I want you to do is play man-to-man. And they loaded up on the D-line. Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba, Christian Wilkins got a ton of time. And, and they face the second easiest schedule of run defenses this year, the Dolphins do. Their offense is facing the toughest schedule of defenses and passing defenses. So I don't have as much faith in the Miami offense, but I think that the Dolphins will be a lot like the New England South. The defense is going to have to carry the way, and I have a lot of faith in their coach. I see the Dolphins as a six-win team, you know, five, six, seven, and we'll see when they bring in Tua, but I just see it more bleak for the Jets. Now, when we get to the top two teams, I am not as high on the Buffalo Bills as I thought, but I have them winning the AFC East. Screw you, computer, for dinging during that great line, asshole. But the reason is, Ingber, I looked at your roster, and I just couldn't believe what I'm seeing. Some big COVID losses for sure. What what are the ones that stick out to you the most? Because everyone wants to talk about, can Cam Newton do this? And I want to talk about this defense because to me, it's crazy. Dante Hightower, uh, and obviously we lost Kyle Van Noy. Those are the two guys that I always just felt so secure in on third down. Uh, Losing Dante Hightower is just always a huge, huge loss. Um, Your best pass rusher, your best pass rusher, other than like Derek Rivers, and I don't think he's a pass rusher, is now our guy Chase Vinovich. And that's crazy to me. I look at their linebackers, and you mentioned – uh, the loss of Van Noy and Dante Hightower. Jawan Bentley, Josh Uche is going to have to come in as a rookie, and I just always assume that Belichick redshirts rookies. I, I look at the secondary, and I I don't have a lot of confidence in Terrence Brooks, but I do know that that's the one position where they're going to be able to hang their hat. They are going through the second toughest jump in schedule. Don't forget that last year, that all-world defense faced the easiest schedule for the first eight weeks of the year, and they didn't—they weren't as dominating late as we saw with Ryan Tannehill in the playoffs. That defensive line, the fact that Bo Allen is going to be the big signing. The reason that I am down on the Patriots is they have the slowest wide receiving core in the NFL. And I understand that they want to be a running team that's going to scare you with Cam Newton in your legs. But if your defense isn't dominant and you're hoping to run the ball on people, if you get a lead on the Patriots, that to me is a recipe for disaster. Do you see what I'm saying? Where if if your defense can't do what it did last year and they have to, 
carry this team and make it 10 points, seven points, and you're going to hope to run the ball. You need to jump on these teams early. And I don't have that much faith. You know, you lose your fullback, James Devlin. And I know you pick up Vitali, but I just, I, I'm a, I'm worried the Patriots are going to fall behind early in games and not be able to dig out of the hole. Do you see what I see about your Patriots? Yeah, this reminds me of the discussion you had with Cam Hayward, where he was talking about the the difference in mentality now that Big Ben is back as their quarterback, that it totally changes the defensive mentality that if he thinks there's a better chance that they're going to go for seven points on their next drive, it totally impacts the way they can run at their defense. And that if if the Patriots just aren't putting up as many points uh, and not having the the confidence in a Tom Brady-led offense to put right. up as many points, it might just it might shake the core of what their entire philosophy is. And we might not be prepared for that. But you know what? When it comes down to it, if it's an even coin toss between Sean McDermott, even a great coach like Sean McDermott yeah. and Bill Belichick, and Vegas says it's about a coin toss, I go with my guy. And I agree with Vegas because the, the, I, I believe that the AFC East will come down to the two games that the Bills play the Patriots. Right. It could be as simple as that. And the reason that I took the Bills was I believe that they are built – to handle what the Patriots are going to have to do this year, which is play in a phone booth, disciplined run defense. That's what the Bills do. The teams that scare the Bills for me are the teams that can really attack Josh Norman now at their starting cornerback. And I think for me, I just need to see a little bit more proof that Nikhil Harry and Demir Bird are going to be able to take advantage of him. But let me break down the Bills. The Bills, the reason that I am afraid of the Bills was this statistic that I read. Not only do they go from the eighth easiest schedule to the eighth toughest schedule, it's all going to come down to Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. And when I looked and I saw last year that against the bottom 10 passing offenses, so this Bills defense, just like the Patriots defense, they are so good, they went 8-1 and against bottom 10 offenses – they went two and five against everybody else. So when the defense could keep it low against these crappy passing offenses, remember, they played the Dolphins twice, they played the Jets twice, played a lot of other teams that often stuck. That's where they were able to pull out the win. They have four West Coast trips this year, David Ingber. It's the first time in the history of the franchises that's ever happened. They haven't traveled further than Dallas since 2017. And now they got to go to Denver, San Francisco, all of these teams. Also, they face they have the toughest schedule change in past defenses faced. So Josh Allen goes from an easier schedule. Now it's the toughest change. I look at this team. I think there's a reason they went with Zach Moss as early as they did. I think that they're going to try and pound people. But the reason that I'm taking them over the Patriots is the Patriots in turnover margin last year was plus 21. That's unsustainable, even for a great defense. The number one turnover margin in the NFL, more than the Steelers. And when I factor that in, and I factor in that it's a new quarterback where you have two, three years of Brian Dayball and Josh Allen, and the fact that the Bills-Patriots games the last two years have been really tight, I think that it comes down to 
a nine and seven Bills team edging out an eight and eight Patriots team. I, I really think that's how the AFC ends. That's my feeling on the AFC East. I respect your decision, and I look forward to the Patriots getting their 10th win in week 14 of the season. <laughs> totally possible. And, and you know, I, I think for me, the, the reason I feel this way is last year's Patriots team felt unsustainable as I watched them. It did. The, the amount of times that we would sit down with Westbrook or Warren and we would go, we need to factor in the fact that they're not playing good teams or they're barely beating an Eagles team with no one on the roster or a Cowboys team in, in a slop. And then you get to the playoffs and I just go, I don't have confidence in this defense, let alone this offense. That's why I'm going that way. Let us now move to a division that I believe is right up there with the NFC West in terms of competition. That's the AFC North. I'm excited to see how Vegas has it. Uh, No surprise, Bengals are listed as fourth. They are plus 2,600 to win the division. So 26 Mm. to one odds and plus 15,000 to win the Super Bowl. Uh, Cleveland Browns in third, plus 480 to win the division. So almost five to one odds. Steelers are plus 340 to win the division. And the Ravens are minus 200 to win the division. They Mm. are the second best odds for the Super Bowl at plus 650. So again, for minus 200, what that means is you would have to bet $200 in order to win $100 on the Ravens winning their division. And you'd have to bet $100 to win $650 for them to win the Super Bowl. I, if I'm betting... This is not how I'm picking it to go. But if I'm betting, my money is on the Steelers at plus 350. I I, kind of knew that you were going to circle that. I also love the Browns at plus 400. Plus 480. 480. Even better. I I, just thought that the 350 and 480 were too close. But I'm going to say that I understand why the Ravens are favored that way. But when I look at the fact that they were 5-1 and in one-score games, they had a turnover margin of plus 10. There, there is pause that you can make, especially with um, some of the departures in their secondary. Um, I think it's a little bit closer than plus two, whatever to to or minus two ten to plus three fifty. Like I think it's closer than that. Yeah, for some reason, when I saw these numbers, that was the one that I knew you would circle, just because. As good as we all think the Ravens are going to be again, and with as much confidence as we have in Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh, minus 200 is just not much value, right? If you're going to load up on a division bet, the Ravens, one little thing goes wrong and the Ravens don't win this division, whereas the Steelers at plus 343 and a half to one odds, that's it's pretty tasty. Especially when you factor in that Baltimore was able to have a lead in so many of their games last year. Let me get to them in a second. I'll start off with the Bengals. I agree. I have them in last, but I will say this. They will be better than last year. One score games, they were 0-8. Turnover margin, they were minus 14. Okay? Like, those have to get better. Now they have the 22nd uh, toughest schedule, according to Vegas. Can I just and- add to the 0-8 part, though? Uh, I don't know if these, these like regression to the mean stats, do they apply to teams that might actively be tanking? You know, like if if you're very close, the Bengals are tanking. And here's why. I think front offices show us I think that they're on the bounce up from the tank. And and not only just the fact that they now have their quarterback in Joe Burrow, but to also go out in the offseason and to spend money on DJ Reader, to spend money on Trey Waynes, who unfortunately is going to be hurt. 
they spent a lot of free agency money. And, and I didn't get into I this. I think tanking this year. I think yeah, that yeah. last year when they went 0-8 and in one-score games, I think that might have been like, hey, let's not draw up our best play here on third and two. I think it's more shocking that they were in eight one-score games with Ryan Finley at quarterback. Like that's <laughs> good for them. Like, to, to me, uh, reading Lauren's book, the one thing that did give me a lot of pause was we talked about coaches' ability to adjust. Zach Taylor was the opposite. He didn't adjust at all. And he did not play big tight end sets. But when I see them invest in Joe Mixon and all this, and I we know the the guys that they're getting back on the offensive line that were hurt, there there are a lot um, of things to look at. Like the offensive line has to be better with Jonah Williams coming back. The offense has to be better with AJ Green playing. The offense has to be better with Joe Burrow. It just has to because it can't be worse. But the defense, um, I, I do have a lot of concerns with Trey Wayne's going down because that secondary was an issue. Um, so teams that lost eight games, at least eight games by one score or more, improved by three wins the next season in the category, and they averaged six wins as a team. So that's going back 30, 40 years. Um, it is also the second easiest change in past defenses faced. And they, they were at eighth. So for, they were at the, the Bengals faced the toughest pass defense schedule last year, and now they go to eighth easiest. So if you want to take a flyer on a Joe Burrow or you want to roll with A.J. Green, um, I, I do think that the Bengals are going to show promise, but this division is tough. The team that I have in third is going to be the Cleveland Browns. Um, but when I tell you, let me make sure that I have it. Yes. Okay. The Browns have the third easiest schedule in the NFL. They have the number one easiest schedule, David Ingber, compared to last year. So when you look at that change, it's the most drastic to the positive. They were minus eight in turnovers, and they were one in four in one-score games. In the AFC, they are the only team, David, that is a green light go in all four of those categories in terms of regression to a positive mean. Do, by the way, do I call it regression to the mean when it's positive or do I call it progression? No, it's still regression to the mean. Uh, it's, it's, it's like whether you're above the mean or below the mean, it's still you're, you're, what you're doing is you're being sucked back into the mean like a gravitational force. Gotcha. Um, I am, I am worried about the secondary Losing first-round pick Grant Delpit at safety is big, but I do love that they added Joe Woods as their defensive coordinator. He had a lot of success. He was the secondary coach in San Francisco last year. He's with the Rams before that with Wade Phillips, so I like their coach a lot more this year. Um, they go from the third toughest passing offense schedule to the easiest, and they go toughest overall to ninth easiest. I believe that Baker Mayfield has a monster bounce back season. I like that. Monster. I think that this is a team that looked at where they were last year, playing all those three wide receiver sets. And when you look at the team and you just look at what they have, like it's let, let me pull this up really quick. Cause I, I, for me, if they, do, if, if this new coach doesn't figure this out, Stefanski, their top two wide receivers are Landry and Odell. Their top two tight ends are Austin Hooper 
And we know that we still have uh, what's his nuts uh, in Joku. And they drafted Harrison Bryant in the fourth round. And then you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And you have Andy Janovich, who you signed. If they're not out there with multiple running backs and tight ends every play, they're crazy. They go out there and they get Jack Conklin. They draft Jedrick Wills in the first round. I still think Joel Batonio is super solid and J.C. Treader is very reliable. I know that there's a lot of free agents on this offense, but it has to be better than last year. I believe, and I guess I'm giving it away right here, I think the Browns are a wild card team. I like it. As the third place team in the AFC North. So, so now you know. So you're saying the Steelers and the Ravens also make the playoffs then too? I had the Steelers in second place. The Steelers, and yes, I do. The Steelers have the seventh easiest schedule. By the way, I'll do the Steelers and Ravens kind of together. The Steelers had the seventh easiest schedule. The Ravens have the fourth. The Steelers had the sixth biggest jump in schedules in terms of easiness. What scares me about both the Steelers and Ravens, but doesn't give me too much pause, is that the Steelers were plus nine in turnover and the Ravens were plus 10. But I think we can agree that they are defenses that have sustained positive turnover margins every year. Like when I think of the Steelers and I think of the Ravens, they're two teams that turn over the ball, that get turnovers and don't turn it over as much. That's sustained. What I like about the Steelers compared more to the Ravens is the Steelers in one score games were six and five, which again, the fact that they were in 11 one score games with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges shows you how good the defense was. Right. The Ravens were five and one in one score games. And I look at the Ravens and I go, you know, I don't, I don't think personally that they were in a position to just cut Earl Thomas. Because when I look at their safeties, Deshaun Elliott and Chuck Clark are not guys that give me a lot of confidence. One thing that does give me confidence for Baltimore is, remember, they made a big deal with Tavon Young last year as their slot corner missed the whole year. So now you get him back, and and with Marlon Humphrey and, and Marcus Peters and Tavon Young and Jimmy Smith, maybe they move Jimmy Smith to safety. Maybe that's what they do. They have a lot of versatility on the back end, and I trust Wink Markendale, but Martindale. But here's why I, I have faith in the Steelers as a sec, second seed in the AFC North, possibly making a run at the Ravens. I just couldn't put it over. Um, on that defense – that defense is all about sacks and turnovers. And my only concern is, is that when they lost the turnover and sack battle, they went 0-6 last year. But as I said before, I don't put that on the defense. I put that on the fact that they had Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. They had the highest fumble luck in the NFL by far. And a lot and and fumbles is crazy. They also had the fourth highest field goal luck, and that's another reason why I didn't put them over Baltimore. I just still have confidence in that defense. Um, they face the second easiest schedule of passing defenses. It's why in our fantasy draft, I drafted Juju, and everybody was making fun of me. Amber. I think you were making fun of me too. Huh? No, we weren't making fun of the pick. We were making fun of the fact that a week earlier on the pod, you had said never again, Juju. <laughs> You had literally said those words. I know. I just I can't stay away. They also have an incredible schedule just in terms of travel 
They have no back-to-back road games the entire season. That blows my mind. But I, I look at Ben Roethlisberger. I look at his familiarity with the play caller. I look at, as Warren reminded us on our podcast a month ago, the quarterback coach, Matt Canada, and the, the changes that he has made. I also love the fact that Matt Canada coached uh, James Conner in college. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of familiarity there. I, I look at the Steelers as a prime bounce back team. There are a number of statistics that I think make me a little, I don't think the Steelers defense will be as good, but I think the team as a whole with Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback will be the Ravens. Other than the safety, they face the third easiest schedule of defenses this year. Ingber sixth easiest pass. And the start to the season is super easy. And then from weeks 12 to 16, it's the easiest. It just came down to me. I need to invest in the coach and the quarterback that are on the same page with an offensive line that in my mind has the two best tackles in the NFL. I know that they lose Marshall Yonda at right guard, but they are deep. They are very deep. I love their depth at running back, Ingram, Dobbins, Edwards, Hill. And I look at Lamar Jackson and the fact that the one thing I was afraid of would be his growth in throwing the ball. And now I know they face the sixth easiest pass defensive schedule that removed all that pause from me. My only other concern is that they really don't have an elite pass rusher. Like I think Matt Judon is really good. And I really love Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams in the middle, but Justin Matabuke, their their third-round pick, he's going to miss some time right now. I don't have that much confidence in Jalen Ferguson. And the middle of that defense, the linebackers are going to be fresh old rookies. Malik Harrison in the third round and their first-round pick, Patrick Queen. So I I, I think that the, the, the Ravens will regress. I do not think that they're going to be 14-2. and two. What is their over-under? Do you have that? 11 and a half wins for the Ravens. I was actually going to bring up over under wins for you for this whole division because it sounds like you're very bullish on at least three, maybe four of the teams in terms of their... Yeah, let's let's hear where their over-unders are. So Bengals are five and a half wins. I feel like just an upgrade to Joe Burrow if he's as good as... Just a sneaky little six-win bet, especially when I told you that... that yeah, team went 11 and 5 as a rookie. You know, like if you're that good of a rookie, you can get you can pile up wins. 6 wins and is not great. Teams crazy. that lose 8 8 games by one score, they average 6 wins the next year. I think it's a it's a pretty sneaky bet there. Uh Browns okay. at 8 wins. So if you think they're going to make the playoffs, why not throw a little something Yeah, up? I see them as a I see them as a 9 and 7 team, 10 and 6 maybe. Right. So and, and then even if they go 8 and 8, you push your bet, right? Still yeah. it hasn't moved to 8 and a half. That's great. Steelers at nine and a half wins. That's Ooh. a little, it's right in the pocket, right? Like that's right where you're I'm taking it though. Okay. Uh, I, I think, okay. And then the Ravens are what? 11 and a half wins, which is tied for the Chiefs for highest. I see the Ravens with 11. I see the Steelers with 10. And I see, I either see the Ravens with 11, the Steelers with 10, and the Browns with nine, or I see like an 11, 11, 10 situation. Mm hmm. That's so I would go over on the Browns, over on the Steelers, under on the Ravens. And I, I still think the Ravens are going to be um, a top team. I have them um, as 
I believe my two seed. You know what? Let me flip this. I'm going to have to change my whole playoffs. Shit. Two. Damn. Oh, man. Okay, I'll have to do that later. Okay. Half wins is a lot. Like that is a that is a lot for Vegas to be like, dude. You're basically going to be a one or a two seed, just right. And, and the, the main reason was I just I I have this memory sometimes where I, when I think about random games, the Ravens were never down. The only games they were down in was that Chiefs game earlier in the year in the playoffs. Like they they didn't have to come back a lot, and they were able to just pound teams into submission against loaded boxes. I have a lot of confidence in Marquise Brown. I think the Ravens are – I truly believe that the AFC is going to be three teams and everybody else. I haven't said the, three, the third team yet, but I do think that the Ravens are one of those teams. Mm-hmm. But I have three teams in the AFC North making the playoffs. Reminder to everybody – there are seven teams in each conference this year making the playoffs up from six, which is why I'm putting three teams from the AFC North, which also I didn't, I kind of buried the lead here. I don't have the Patriots making the playoffs. I was actually going to ask you if you got three teams you're loading up and you still haven't named your, your favorite AFC team besides the Ravens and the chiefs. I, I'm, I'm trying to guess, is it like the Texans or the Colts? I always say don't bet against the Patriots, but I have to. I'm doing it this year. I am. I can't believe it. Uh, You can clip this video out. Uh, (laughs) You can remember this forever. Um, As I sit here on September, what is it, 3rd, I do not have the Patriots making the playoffs. Damn, I'm an idiot. All right, AFC South. AFC South, the most famously unpredictable division in all of sports, I would say, or at least up there. They have the Jaguars, no surprise, in fourth place. Four and a half wins. That's just disrespectful to Gardner Minshew. But uh, yeah, plus 2,000 to win the division, Vegas says. Basically, no chance. Houston Texans in third. They are my my fourth place team. I do not want to spend time on them. They have the 20th most difficult schedule after week 10. They have the second toughest schedule in the NFL, but they do face the second easiest schedule in the first eight weeks. My advice to anybody, if you're playing fantasy, whether it's Gardner, Minshew, DJ Chark, let them have success early and then move them before you think you should because their <laughs> schedule gets really, really tough. Moving on. Who do they have third? Uh, so they have Houston Texans. The The drop-off from Titans to Texans is pretty pretty intense here. Titans are like close to winning the division at plus 165, and that's in second place. The Texans are in third place at plus 300. I just found that disparity between the Titans and the Texans to be a little eye-opening. Uh, and then the Colts are number one in the division at plus 135 to win the division, and they also have the best Super Bowl odds at plus 2,200. Um, and then in terms of win totals, Colts at nine wins, Titans at eight and a half wins, and Texans at seven and a half wins. So again, they're kind of bunched up there around the eight and eight mark, but uh, Colts have not a huge favorite uh, over the Titans, but Colts and Titans together, pretty big drop off before the Texans in terms of odds. I just found that a little interesting. As nervous as I am to have on record that I don't have the Patriots in the playoffs, that's how confident I am that the Texans are going to suffer their epic collapse. Interesting. Last year was supposed to be the year. They went from the easiest schedule to the toughest schedule. It was insane to look at that team and what they did. They went out there. They had the best fourth quarter comeback record in like the last two or like 
20, 30 years at four and four. They were losing going into the fourth quarter in eight games last year and won four of them. No one has done that. Like the best in the NFL was just like one or two last year. They did it four times. The Texans went four and five after trailing at halftime. And when you looked back almost all those games, it was big plays to DeAndre Hopkins. That's not there this year. And while I am invested in Will Fuller, because I think that Will Fuller is going to have to get targets, because I think this defense is going to stink. And I think Deshaun Watson's going to have to be Superman. And he's got to throw to somebody. And I think it's Will Fuller if he can stay healthy. In 2019, they were two and five versus top 12 running teams. Two and five. And they finished, what did they finish? 10 and six. So they went nine and one against every other team, or that doesn't make sense. Eight and one. In 2020, they face seven teams with top 12 running uh, offenses. Um, I also look, they went five and one in games three points or less. So they went eight and three in, in one score games, five and one and three in field goal games. And really, it was all on Deshaun Watson. I think that the steps that they take back on offense with, with DeAndre Hopkins, the, the fact that they, they lose Jonathan Joseph on the back end on defense, they lose DJ Reader, their defensive line now has rookies. I think that their, their linebacking core is okay. They, they, to me, have been trying to hold on to this core for so long. The one thing that I like about this team is that all of their offensive linemen are back and that they surprisingly hit on a few of them. I think that the Texans fall off. I think that they're a 5-11, 6 win team. The only thing that scares me, man, is I hate betting against Deshaun Watson because he is one of those guys that makes numbers look stupid. Mm-hmm. Him and Russell Wilson take your numbers and they spit on them and they throw them in the trash can. That's all I thought when I saw the seven and a half wins. I was like, that's just so disrespectful. Like Deshaun Watson is entering. He's not there yet, but he's entering that category of like, am I really going to think this guy can't lead his team to nine wins in a year? Am I really starting to think that about Deshaun Watson? But, you know, maybe there's... I get it. I just think that like these people that think that Randall Cobb can get open anymore Mm. are crazy. And while I drafted Will Fuller, I drafted him as my fourth wide receiver. Like we do know that he has injury problems. And I, I just... I don't know if Bill O'Brien can be that creative, but my real issue is I think the the, the Texans are going to have to score like 40 points a game, and I don't think that their fourth quarter comeback luck can continue. Sure. The team that I also have in second place is the Tennessee Titans. They had the second easiest schedule in the NFL this year, according to Vegas, and that's big because Vegas is the one that is usually ringing true. Now, they were plus six in turnover, but they were three and three in one-score games, and I do not like the fact that they lost Jarrell Casey and I do not like the fact that they lost Jack Conklin. The reason I'm okay with Jarrell Casey on the defensive line is I believe that Jeffrey Simmons is an absolute star. Their first-round pick from uh, not this last year's draft that missed the beginning of the year was recovering from an ACL and came back, and he was Chris Jonesian in terms of the impact that he had out there. Um, the other thing is, I you know what? I'm making a change. I like this. You're sort of like, it's a it's a... Street I'm putting the Patriots in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, really? We already I'm, clipped it. We already put it on Twitter that you said they're not. Right, let me let me get through this and I'll see if I still believe it. <laughs> you know what? No, I'm not. I'm not putting them in. I'm sticking with my guns. <laughs> Shit. I'm so nervous. Okay. The Tennessee Titans face the easiest run defense schedule in the NFL. 
Let me repeat that again for the people in the back. When it comes to run defense schedules, the Tennessee Titans face the easiest. And while I believe that Ryan Tannehill is going to regress in such a big way that it is going to be shocking that we're going to look at his last eight games last year as a moment in time that shall never be repeated. <laughs> I believe that Derrick Henry is going to exceed expectations this oh, year. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love that. And that to me is when you look at his last 17 games, the numbers that he put up are crazy. And I think it even gets crazier this year. It is the fifth toughest increase in past defenses faced. Okay. I think Ryan Tannehill is going to be just bleh. I really believe that. They went from, f they went five and one versus the bottom half past defenses last year. That's why I don't think it is um, sustainable, but they also had the worst field goal luck in the NFL last year. I mean, their field goal and they got Steven Goskowski. So I think that goes up. They also faced the second easiest offenses this season. So while I do not have faith in Tannehill, while I do love AJ Brown, but I'm not in love with the rest of their wide receivers and the fact that they lost a premier tackle and are going to Dennis Kelly. I do not get excited. I have confidence in this. I have confidence in Arthur Smith, that offensive coordinator. I think he's shown a lot of ability to adapt. I have a lot of confidence in Mike Vrabel as a defensive coordinator and what they can do on that side of the ball. And I also love his aggressiveness and I think the fact that they face the second easiest offenses this year makes up for some of their losses on defense. And the fact that they face the eighth, the, the number one easiest run defense is perfect to set up a situation where Ryan Tannehill should be able to get some one-on-one -on -one easy completion, completions. And I do like their tight ends a lot. I see the Titans as making the playoffs and I see them as a nine and seven team in the AFC South. What is their over-under? Eight and a half wins. You're right there. I think that they're an over-team, and I think that they are sneaking in as your seventh seed in the AFC. Can I ask a question, though? Yeah. Does Mike Vrabel's I'll cut my own dick off if we win the Super Bowl, does that apply to this year, or did the cutoff happen after the season ended? It did not count because they didn't go to the Super Bowl, but I would also say if it did count – that's the reason God gave us two balls. <laughs> he has three more years of this. He has a three-year window of cutting, off, of cutting off genitalia in order to guarantee team success. Uh, I'll transition to a guy um, that, that, man, this is gross, used genitalia to produce nine kids, Philip Rivers. Oh, wow. Yeah, segue. And the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts are... My Baltimore Ravens team from last year. Whoa. I am not saying that they are going to be the number one seed in the AFC, but I believe that they will be number two. I believe that the Colts will be the second seed in the AFC. They had the number one easiest schedule according to Vegas. They were five and six in one score games last year, and that was with Brian Hoyer and Jacoby Brissett. Let's not forget that this team was on the doorstep of making a playoff run and Andrew Luck retired during the preseason. Right. 
they add rivers and it's very like i am buying so much river stock right now that it is crazy because I just don't think it's fair to judge Rivers on what the situation has been with the Chargers the last few years. How can everyone tell me that the Chargers have no home field advantage, that they're the worst home field performing team in the NFL by a large margin the last two, three years? It's been a turnstile on the offensive line. The, the Chargers, they've tried to draft all these offensive linemen, Forrest, Lamp, and, all, and they all get hurt, all of them. And... They were running an offense that did, and and I know Philip Rivers is old, but can we ever acknowledge that maybe he was trying to do too much because he had to? Right now he goes to an Indianapolis Colts team. It's the best offensive line he's had in his career. He has familiarity with the offensive coach in Frank Reich. It was his best year as a Charger, and I think more importantly, they're not going to run that same offense that they were running with the Chargers. That three wide receiver, let's throw it a lot. Frank Reich is going to set it up with uh, multiple tight ends. He's got a powerhouse workhorse. He's got two in Marlon Mack, and I think Jonathan Taylor explodes. You got T.Y. Hilton. You got Pittman. You got a lot of other weapons, and you're in a dome. You're in a dome. If there's one place where Rivers is going to play well, it's in the dome. They... I love the fact that they added DeForest Buckner on the defense. I think that's a trade that's going very under look. I think a move like DeForest Buckner, remember when we saw the Chiefs last year with Chris Jones and without, it was two different defenses. That's DeForest Buckner. And what that's going to allow Darius Leonard to do at the linebacking core and what it's going to open up is going to be crazy. I also think when you look at the Colts secondary, I think it can be sneaky good. Because we haven't seen a healthy Malik Hooker now in years. But we saw, I think, 11, 12 weeks of him last year, and he looked great. I really like Rocky Sin at corner. He was a shining star for them. And I also think that Kenny Moore, I'm a little bit worried about Xavier Rhodes, but I don't think he has to guard number ones. I think they're going to be playing zone, which will be good for him. I, I look at this team overall. The last 30 years, in the last 30 years, that Colts team last year blew more leads than any team in the last 30 years. In the last seven games of the year, with no quarterback, they blew five of seven games, which means they were leading at halftime or the fourth quarter and blew it. I believe that regresses. And in the first eight weeks this year, Ingber, they have the easiest schedule in the NFL by an enormous margin. They face two teams expected to have a record of 500 or better. And for me, I look at teams that can do a big jump out um, and, and start really, really fast and extend it. So when you look at their schedule, they face the Jaguars. Awful. They face the Vikings at home. They face the Jets at home. Awful. They go to the Bears. Ugh. They go to Cleveland. Whatever. And then home against the Bengals. Playoffs. So like, if your toughest game is at the Browns and then a bye, like you could start off. Like if the Colts started off five and one, six and zero, oh, I'm not shocked. Where do you stand with my crazy Colts love? So. 
the one thing that stuck with me in terms of the Chargers games that I watched last year was that Philip Rivers clapping panicky right at the, uh, you know, at, and try having to call a timeout in order to, to avoid a delay of game. I just felt like that was happening a lot. Now, I thought when he goes to the Colts, very well coached team, very well respected Frank Reich offensive mind. It could go one of two ways. Is it extra panicky because it's COVID and it's a brand new system and it's a whole new set of weapons that he has to work with? Or is he saying like, oh, it's like entering a warm bath. This is all this stuff is laid out in front of me. It's a whole new offense and I don't have to be panicky, Phil, anymore. So if if I could jump in, the one thing I would say is what you just said is the reason why I'm buying stock in Philip Rivers. I, right, I can see it. Because in everybody's mind's eye, it's yelling, clapping Philip Rivers. And I always want to say to people, he's not doing that because he wants to. <laughs> because he enjoys it, right. He's doing that because his team is always in a hole and they're having to catch up. And I think for the first time, Philip Rivers is going to be playing with a lead. And all of those comeback Rivers memes where it's like Rivers are going to come back, score a meaningless touchdown, and then throw a pick. I think for the first time in a long time, Rivers is going to be milking the clock. And I think that you're going to see a calm Phillip Rivers out there smiling, yucking it up, and handing it off to Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack and dumping it off to Jack Doyle. And and I really believe that the the Colts are going to, for the first time, and Phillip Rivers both, the Colts were always playing from behind and Rivers was too. I think it flips this year, man. I think they're playing with a lead. They're playing with a big stack at the table. Are you buying any Philip Rivers sports cards? Because, I mean, if this guy wins a ring, that I could, already uh... did. <laughs> there you go. There's your answer. Two, two of the guys that I bought, and I'll just say this flat out. Um, I bought a Philip Rivers and I bought a Ben Roethlisberger. Mm. And I, I think the reason is, is that... Let me see if I can find this because I wrote it down and I threw out a lot of stuff. One second. I need to find this. Hold on. Stay with me. Yeah, this is Lefko searching for a card and this is producer no, Dave doing hard. some vamping. Oh, you're looking for some notes? Unfortunately, I threw it out. Oh, but it's okay. I think I remember that if Philip Rivers throws for, I think it's like 3,000 yards, I think he passes Dan Marino for fifth all time this season. Right. I mean, most passing yards of all time is going to like absolutely topple. But but you're telling me, but this is what I mean. This is why I think it's going to be a narrative changing season for Phillip Rivers. If he has a good year, he can easily pass Dan Marino for the fifth. So he's going to go top five all time at quarterbacks. And if he's on a team that starts off the year five and one, six and oh, can you imagine the feature stories that are going to be done on Philip Rivers? Right, this the if year. Starts off five zero one six zero. You know how reactive football fans are. They are going to blame everything on the Chargers franchise, mm. and they're going to say change of scenery. Maybe it wasn't Philip all those years. That's how I see the first six seven weeks playing out. Philip Rivers moving up in the record books and changing the narrative that quickly. And everyone's saying like, man, he would have had five or six rings if he had been with the Colts this whole time, blah, blah, blah. Right. That's how I see it. I like that. And I also think that the reason I think Big Ben and and Rivers is Eli is gone. And I think it's going to be the year of the 2004 redemption draft where Eli got all the credit. Big Ben is sitting here with two Super Bowl rings. And people don't even think about – Big Ben is already a Hall of Famer. I don't know if Rivers is a Hall of Famer. But 
Big Ben is coming back with the best defense he's had since his first Super Bowl win when he got carried by the defense. And I just, I just think that people are I, – I don't understand why we can, we can say in one breath that Drew Brees and Tom Brady can play forever and age isn't a number. And then when I bring up Big Ben and Rivers, people tell me that they're old. I, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. I feel the same way with Stafford, where, where I, I look at these guys and I go, in, an, in a year where experience is going to be so big, I would want to invest in these guys that have it. Big Ben Rivers and, and, and Stafford to a lesser extent, but I did buy a Big Ben and Rivers card because I just think that people are sleeping on them overall. I really am. Matt Stafford is one of those guys that he's, when it's all said and done, he might have the top five most passing touchdowns, top five most passing yards, and people will look and be like, wait, what, really? And it's because 14 years in a row, he had like between 4,000 and 5,000 yards passing every and his single defense year. Sucked and he didn't have a thousand yard rusher, so he had to pass. And that's why... I'm I am not someone out here that likes accounting stats, and that's the ones that are you know gross numbers or or yeah gross numbers. But I will say that that's why when I look through all the the Hall of Fame level quarterbacks, it's why my love for Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson grows so much. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at their touchdown to interception ratios compared to the other Hall of Fame quarterbacks. It is so drastic that it looks like they played in a different league. What's Rogers like four and a half to one? It's like insane. Him and Russell are both like that. And I, 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 this is the only, this is one of the big disadvantages of of recording this remotely. Is I don't have any, I don't have any stuff in front of me because usually I could, I would have stuff on my computer. I can't do that right now. Um, But him and 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 Russell are number one and number two. uh, I'm looking right here. All time. Yeah. So we've got. 4.33 4.33 like like to one. So almost four and a half to one. And then Russell Wilson is 3.3 to one. And then Brady next at 3.02. Then Carson Wentz, number four, hmm, 2.77. So, and, and I just think no matter the era, touchdown to interception is a ratio that I care about. Yeah. It's the same thing as an NBA assist to turnover. Like it is indicative. Yeah. It's indicative of all of that. And, and my, my real thing is, is when I think about Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and the way they play, they do not play like they like like that's a statistic that I thought Alex Smith would be good at, not Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson who's who's zinging all over the place. Okay, right. so I've already named um, one, two, three, four, five, six playoff teams. That means I only have one coming out of the West, which I think is surprising to some people. So you, I assume it's the Chiefs, right? It is the Raiders. I'm just kidding. Okay, let's hear what let's hear what Vegas has. All right, so the Vegas has uh, the Raiders and Chargers sort of tied at the bottom in terms of seven and a half wins, but they have the Raiders at plus twelve hundred to win the division, Chargers plus seven hundred to win the division. So I believe yeah. Vegas. Uh, I, I'm saying Vegas, meaning the casinos have the Raiders uh, as significantly worse uh, than the Chargers in terms of winning the division, but in terms of total wins, they have them about equal, which I found interesting. Very. Broncos at eight wins plus 1,100. That's so- why Vegas is so smart. They don't let the win total define the probability of winning because that's exactly how I see those two. Okay, so when they have Broncos at what? Plus 1,100 to win the division or 11 to one, and they're right at eight wins. Uh, and then the Chiefs. I'm, say, I'm pounding the under on the Broncos. Okay. And the Chiefs, uh, they are tied with the Ravens for most wins at 11 and a half. 
and they pounding the over on the Chiefs minus three ninety to win the division again. Like we all know, the Chiefs are going to win the division unless you know a crazy hurricane wipes out everything. But it's still just like no value there. You're not going to put down three hundred ninety bucks to win a hundred. And let me say this: I got into an argument, and I'm, I'm doing like a BR betting show, and. Uh, I was talking about underdog MVP candidates. And that's where I'm mentioning Rivers and Ben and Breeze and all those guys. And somebody said back, Mahomes is a lock. I just want to remind people, they almost lost Mahomes last year with a knee injury. Yeah, he didn't win it last year. On the side of his leg. And so whenever you're doing these shows or you're predicting, like, like if you're predicting the AFC South last year, and Nick Foles goes down in the first week, and Andrew Luck retires, and it's Deshaun Watson, and it's Ryan Tannehill. Like, like there's a reason why NFL predictors look really dumb. And I, I just think that, uh, you know, it is it, it seems like a lock for the Chiefs to win it, but, like, man, one hit and you don't even know. But I, I'll go um, – and the team that I'll start off with, I don't know who I have fourth – um, but the team that I think I came away the least excited about was the Broncos. And I think the reason is, is just like everybody else, everybody loves telling me that Drew Locke went four and one at the end of the year. But when you look it up and the fact that he played those four games, those four wins were against the 21st, 26th, 28th and 31st ranked defense. I think that's important to note. And what was wild is Warren went in there and he looked. And in those games, there were zero wind in any of those games. And three days before Christmas, so December 22nd in Denver, the temperature of that game was 67 degrees. Now, I'm not going to get into a global warming rant. But what I will say is Drew Locke went four and one against four bottom 11 defenses in the NFL with no weather conditions at all, literally perfect conditions. And what that says to me is it was optimal playing conditions for a young guy. Can there be growth for Derek Locke? Absolutely. Drew Locke. Drew Locke, thank you. The thing that scares me, though, is it's all rookies that are around him. I do love Noah Fant in the second year. He could absolutely get better. And I love Judy and I love Hamler and I, and I love Cortland Sutton. But the offensive line, and I love the fact that their coach is Mike Munchak, but what scares me is it's all these new pieces and it's Pat Shermer. And I, I wanted some continuity there. I think that they're going to try and run the ball a lot with Melvin Gordon and uh, Philip Lindsay. And I think that they're going to I just I don't know what they're going to be, but mainly I don't trust their left tackle Garrett Bowles. They they're switching like their center and their guard. Um, but I came away they they had the fifth toughest schedule jump in the NFL. They have the twenty eighth toughest schedule. They face five top ten run defenses to start the year, and that's where I think it starts off really really bad. If I had to make a Broncos prediction, they try and run the ball a lot those first five games. They can't. Drew Locke is forced to throw. I don't think there's any connection yet with these wide receivers and the fact that we're going through all of this. They, they, the second half of the schedule is a lot easier, and that's why I see the Broncos as like a, 
a six, seven win team that maybe they get some wins later on, but I, I don't feel confident about it. The Raiders are a team that I wanted to root for and everything will come down to the start of the season. They have the 29th hardest schedule in the NFL. They went seven and three in one score games last year. All of their wins last year, Ingber, were in one score games, all seven. Wow. And that's not sustainable to me. That's what I remember two years ago. That was the Dolphins, and we saw how they regressed. They went seven and nine with Adam Gase. All seven of their wins were in one score games. You don't think that's three- just knock on wood if you're with me? Good coaching. <laughs> exactly. Three of those wins were against last year for the Raiders Jacoby Brissett, Chase Daniel, and Ryan Finley. Like, that's not happening again. They have the third toughest schedule increased in the NFL. The first 11 weeks, they face the toughest pass defense schedule in the NFL. I have a lot of faith in that O-line. I think they got a lot of bruisers on there, and I know they want to run. But, like, what wide receiver really scares you right now? Like, they, they – and I, I know that I want to love Henry Ruggs, but just not right away. And I, I – the start of the season is everything. They face the seventh easiest schedule of run defenses. So I think it could be a big Jacobs year, but the way I see it is – Their secondary is an absolute mess. I love my guy, Max Crosby. Maurice Hurst in the middle has been absolutely a revelation. They signed Corey Littleton. They signed so many free agents. But I think their secondary stinks. And so if you're telling me that they need to run the ball because that's the advantage and their secondary stinks, I just am afraid that the Raiders are going to get down early in games and I see them taking a step back this year. I do. Can I now, just ask, uh, since yeah. since uh, you're talking about Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs in there, and then you got CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Ayuk, if you had some advice for the fantasy folks out there, which well, of those you four? Do. You drafted four rookie wide receivers in a row in our draft. <laughs> I just, I, I want to believe that one of them is going to explode. And I also was really sad I didn't end up with Ayuk. I was like, that that was the one that I had targeted, like mid-round yeah. if I can get him, yeah. I, I think that everyone always gets excited about rookie wide receivers. How and can I you think not? It's so fun to get excited about them. There, there's nothing else that's sexier. And I think last year gave us you know a bunch of big winners. I mean, Terry McLaurin and, D, and uh, Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. Hollywood. Hollywood. But I also think that last year was is going to go down as like an all-time wide receiver class. Yeah. And why can't this year as well? I think this year could. Um, I also think, though, that we need to factor in this. Debo Samuel went to Kyle Shanahan. DK Metcalf went to Russell Wilson. A.J. Brown was a part of one of the most historically crazy, deep ball accurate runs that we've ever seen. Uh, Terry McLaurin, I just think, was... uh, They had nobody else on the team, so that was maybe based on quantity. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I look at these now, and it's like I look at Judy, okay, with a, a rookie quarterback and a new offense. Uh, I look at Henry Ruggs, and, and I think that's exciting, but with John Gruden, who knows? Um, Brandon Ayuk is already hurt. The thing is with rookie wide receivers, we don't know. And so my thing is, is if I'm giving fantasy advice, don't make a rookie wide receiver one of the guys that you're relying on. Yeah, if but you pick them up in the sixth round. Wide receiver three through five, and 
And my, my thing is, is like, and you saw me do this in my, in fantasy draft, whenever I don't know, I take multiple of. So I got Austin Hooper late, but I took Chris Herndon. One of those guys I hope will pop. You know, I took, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, uh, Patriots running backs. Maybe one of them pops. But I, I just want chips. But I don't want to be relying on rookie wide receivers. That's just my thing. Can I, I just tell how- you that whatever, however many Patriots running backs you have, whichever one you put in your starting spot will not get the ball that week. I'm just telling you 100% yeah. that is the case. Yeah, that's why I that's I'm not relying on them too much, but you know, you're hoping that I'm not hoping, but I'm you know, you hope somebody gets hurt, I guess, but I don't want to root that. The reason that I wanted the Chargers to be my sleeper team is that man, they got all the metrics. Fifth easiest schedule in the NFL, two and nine in one score games last year. Mm. Two and nine. And they were minus 17 in the turnover battle. When you put those numbers out there, it's staggering. The the regression to the mean that should happen. I loved their free agent signings. I loved the fact that they got for the first time in a long time. I literally talked with Keenan Allen about this on my shoot for underrated, by the way, coming out Wednesday nights. That for years, I have said that the Chargers can't handle teams in the playoffs because their their defensive line is too small. And then they go out there and they get the biggest defensive line in the NFL in Linval Joseph. Like to me, what that's going to do for Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa is incredible. And I'm so excited for them. I think they have great D-line depth. They go out there in the first round, they get Kenneth Murray at linebacker. And I just think, man, with Linval Joseph, if he can run around and not fall to play action, it could be great. I, I love the fact that they got Brian Balaga at right tackle. I think that Tyrod Taylor is going to be able to run that offense that he ran with uh, Anthony Lynn in Buffalo to a T. And I was like, and they get a healthy Derwin James. And then he goes down for the year. And I just think I'm so emotionally drained from them losing Derwin James that I couldn't pick them to do big things. I wanted to pick them as a wild card team and they still might. And I, and I might regret it, but I just, I don't know. Am I, am I putting too much on the Derwin James injury? Uh, no, I mean, he, if he, if he is your guy that says he holds everything together, right. He's the one that like, without him, everything goes, that's, this is why I'm so scared about Dante Hightower, that it's like the ripple effect of losing someone like that in the center of your defense. You can't quantify it without really knowing what's going on. Uh, I, let me do, let me do this succinctly so we can have a video, even though I'm not picking the chargers. Video starts now. Okay. Here are the reasons why I think the chargers could steal a playoff spot. Fifth easiest schedule in terms of Vegas strength of schedule. They were minus 17 in turnovers last year. Could totally see that regress to the mean. They were two and nine in one score games. When they lost the turnover battle last year, they were one and seven. You got to think that changes. They're not going to go minus 17 again. They were 32nd worst in the NFL in fumble luck last season. They had the worst against the spread record at home the last two years. Not only are they going to not have a home field disadvantage because no one has fans. They have an entirely new stadium. So you got to think that's going to flip as well. The first three weeks of the year, they face the easiest run defense schedule in the NFL, Austin Eckler, arrow up. And then after week six, 
They have the easiest schedule in the NFL, and they face seven quarterbacks starting for the first time with a new team. A lot of those stats compliments of my good friend Warren Sharp, but nonetheless, they are statistics that should give you some interesting notions at could the Chargers be a surprising playoff team. End of video. That was beautiful. How did that feel? That felt good. That was a little behind the scenes. For, but I mean, aren't those statistics crazy? Yeah. I mean, look, you you do your numbers and you you make your picks. You're like a Matthew Berry out here with some preseason numbers. It's like you can pick and choose a lot of different numbers to make yourself seem smart or dumb, depending on. But it's it's a compelling case for sure. I I I've always liked the Chargers. Uh, I think they've got a lot of weapons, and I just I like weapons. You know. Yeah. Uh, if, if it's not Eckler, it's going to be someone else. If it's not Mike Williams, it's going to, you know, like they, they just have a lot of places they can go with the ball. And if Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor, uh, do we decide if, I can't remember where we decided. It used to be Tyrod, now it's Tyrod. I think you'd say whatever you want. <laughs> if Tyrod Taylor is still the guy that led Buffalo to the playoffs and he's got way more weapons now than he ever did in Buffalo, why can't they win 10 games? I don't understand why they can't. I'm officially putting the Chargers in the playoffs. So everything that I've said before is null and void. I just so, talked myself into it because look, I'm looking at their team and I do I want Derwin James to be there? Yes. But I look at it like this. Casey Hayward, Chris Harris Jr. are great cornerbacks. Desmond King is a really, really good slot corner that I could see playing safety, maybe filling in for Derwin James. And I do like Rashawn Jenkins. I uh, I also think that they don't they still have Michael King? Uh, Michael Davis. Michael Davis is another corner. I think that they're so deep in the secondary. Do I wish they had Derwin James? Yes. But the fact that they have Kenneth Murray now in the middle, I think they have like a nice linebacker. They got Linval Joseph on the D line. And I really think that people, this is going to be the year that Tyrod Taylor makes people feel good. I believe that this is the Tyrod Taylor season. I believe that Justin Herbert is the first rookie quarterback that Tyrod is now playing with because it was Baker. I think it was Josh Allen. And now Justin Herbert. Of those three, Justin Herbert is the least ready to play right now. He's also the least intimidating as a leader in a locker room. And I think that matters. Josh Allen is an enormous human being. And when you get on the practice field and he throws a ball, you go, how do we not play that guy? Baker Mayfield has a leader gene and has a better arm than Tyrod. Herbert, I met him, man. He's still like a young, unsure kid. So I think there's going to be less pressure on Tyrod. And I'm, wow. Okay, I'm going to have to figure out who I'm, putting the play, who I'm taking out, but I'm, I'm putting the Chargers in. I can't believe I just talked myself into that. Number one, not even close, Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, buckle up, baby. It's go time. Tenth easiest schedule in the NFL. They lost Kendall Fuller on, the, on in their corner. Breland is suspended, their cornerbacks. But I'm just going to tell you what, it doesn't matter because it's a shootout every game with the Chiefs, and eventually Tyron Matthews making a play or Chris Jones is causing a fumble or, or Frank is going to get in there and, and cause a fumble. They're 27 and 8 with Mahomes as their quarterback. And in those eight losses, Ingber, they have scored at least 28 points in all eight. In the losses where he's healthy, they've averaged 36 points per game in the losses. Right, because they lost to the the Rams that one game, like 53-50. They lost another playoff game to the Patriots, like 35-32, right? Like, it, it, yeah, he's 
he puts up the numbers. You can never, ever blame Mahomes for almost anything. But really, the reason I say it, too, is you have to be built a certain way to beat the Chiefs. Last year, I think they went one in four against teams with top 12 rushing attacks. My one note, a lot of those, remember, Ravens, Titans came with Chris Jones on the lineup. Mm-hmm. And that is big. They faced the fourth easiest schedule of run offenses this year. So the one thing that they're weak against, they face the fourth easiest schedule of run offenses, and they face four teams projected to win nine-plus games on the road. That's the one knock. They have four games this year. Schedule's a little bit harder, not that much harder, but they face four teams projected by Vegas to win nine or more games, and all those games are on the road. But for me, the continuity, the the fact that they were able to get some depth on their O-line after losing the doctor, Tardif, the fact that they're able to get new contracts for everybody. And Mahomes is entering now that like super comfortable stage. They are the AFC West winners. They are the number one seed in the AFC. I think also losing Tardif is a net positive for them karma-wise, right? Like he's going to join the good fight and Mm. uh, help America combat this horrible disease. I feel like whatever they lost from his playing ability, they gain in just sort of like good vibes. I am also hearing that all the buzz that we heard uh, from our good buddy um, from Good Morning Football, that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Unbelievable. I am hearing star. Is he the woe big offseason MVP? Mm. I feel like I've heard more. Hey, we're doing woe big offseason all MVPs. Like Jamal Adams is up there just from like the amount of stories that were coming out. But I mean, Uh, specifically with woe big offseasons where you're just hearing like this guy is tearing it up in practice. I feel like I've heard more CEH than anyone else. I think so too. And I, I, I also just think that Andy Reid, I'm excited to see what a Super Bowl ring in the bag Andy Reid is like. Mm. Like, what, like how much more adventurous and exotic and creative and taking chances will he be with it in the bag? I think that they're, they're to me, the, um, the most uh, complete and dangerous team in the AFC. And it's mainly also because when I compare them with Baltimore, the Chiefs' schedule is that much easier. I think. I think that actually, let me take that. Let me take that back. The Baltimore Ravens' schedule is easier than the Chiefs', but I also think that the the Ravens um, are going to have. They're going to. They were used to playing from ahead. I think they're going to have to play from behind this year. And the Chiefs, they had three games without Mahomes, so I think they're only going to go up. So I have the Chiefs as my one seed, and now I got to figure out my playoff bracket. When, based on what you said about Andy Reid, what's he like now that he's got the chip? Here's what I'm picturing is like week three or four, you know, they're, they're, they're undefeated and they're up by 14 in the fourth quarter and they have a fourth and one from like their own 49 yard line and any normal team would punt it. And Andy Reid's like, I'm just going to send my guys out there because I know they can pick it up and they're just going to put their foot on people's throats all year and they're going to win games by 21, 25, 30 points. I think so too. I really do. I agree with you. All right, I'm doing my my playoffs right now. I'm trying to figure this out. From what I said, I'm going to let you help me here. Who did I seem to have more confidence in? 
Browns, Titans, or Chargers? So you did throw a lot of facts and figures and a lot of emotions at me over the last hour plus. So I'm not sure exactly what you said on every single one of them. So I might be... Uh, I'm going to reread my notes while you're vamping. <laughs> I might be slightly tainted by my own feelings of these guys, but uh, I do believe in the Titans personally, and it seemed like you did as well. And Although you actually, you were a little down on Tannehill, which I'm surprised by. And that's why I'm officially kicking the Titans out. Deep ball... Deep ball accuracy, I don't think is one of those like regress to the mean things. I think rant, right no, handle I, might just be really I'll good send, at that. I'll send you uh, Stephen Ruiz on, on For the Win. Remember we did this during the year last year where he was charting how hard it's going to regress to the mean and why they shouldn't give him a new contract? I just I remember that article and I don't want to forget it. Because of that, I'm eliminating the Titans okay. and I'm putting the Browns and the Chargers in. Great. This is crazy. I'm excited. Okay. Here no is Patriots, but Browns and Chargers. What's up? No Patriots, but Browns and Chargers in the playoffs. I'm a just, sicko. Just, yeah. I'm a sicko. Kansas City is the one. Indy is the two. Baltimore is the three. Buffalo is the four. Pittsburgh is the five. I really should put New England at seven. Cleveland is the six. And the Chargers are the seven. Be the okay. guy. Make this your corner that the Patriots are just not going to perform this year. That'll be your corner. You know corner what? This year. I'm so down. I'm so not interested in anymore. Hard. Yeah, I'm not interested in more and being like, I don't want to take risks. I want to be a real analyst. <laughs> I don't care. Okay. So that means that Kansas City gets the bye, right? Now we've got the Colts playing the Chargers in round one. Wow. That's fun. Think about that matchup. Phil Rivers. Philip Rivers welcoming the Chargers into whatever they call that arena, that stadium. Lucas Oil. He's going to come in there. The offensive line is going to be able to handle that pass rush. And Philip Rivers gets sweet, sweet revenge. Indy moves on. Okay. Now, Baltimore, Cleveland. Ooh. I love I love divisional matchups in the first round. It's always so fun when it happens. That'll Both. be the third time they're playing each other. I bet the Ravens will have beaten the pants off them twice that season. The Browns are like, well, you can't beat us three times in one year. You, got, you get that buzz. I think that it's a, a wow. I don't want to do it. There's no way that Lamar Jackson starts his career 0-3 in the playoffs, is there? There is, of course, there's a chance. I'm going to say it's, I'm going to, I'm not putting that into the atmosphere. I think the Browns should be happy that they got there. And I think in the playoffs, one thing that I also noticed is that the Baltimore Ravens could have some really well-timed breaks in a year in which the, um, the health and all that's going to be so big. Baltimore has a buy around week eight, and they have a mini buy around week 11 where they have 11 days. I think Baltimore wins that game. They move on. Baltimore takes down Cleveland at home in front of a raucous crowd of zero. Now, the Browns play the Steelers their last game of the season, so it's possible that like they needed that and the Steelers didn't. So maybe that was like their big emotional, we beat our divisional rival, and then the following week we have to beat the Ravens. 
Yeah, because you know what? That's the perfect example. Uh, let's book it right now. Save this clip too. That's exactly what's going to happen because Buffalo is taking on Pittsburgh in the first round, and that's a lineup that's going to be locked in because Buffalo is going to be the four seed and Pittsburgh's going to have the best record of all the wild cards, so they will face each other, and they're going to go, we want to get a bye right now. Buffalo takes on Pittsburgh. It's in Buffalo, and Josh Allen comes up short again. Pittsburgh moves on in the playoffs, upsetting at Raymond James. That's not the name of their stadium. Ralph Wilson, Pittsburgh moves on in the playoffs as a five seed. Whoa, we got good matchups here. Now, that means in the next round, the divisional round, Kansas City is taking on the fifth seed Pittsburgh Steelers. Ah, oh, wow. spicy. Ben Roethlisberger looking to atone for, I believe, his last playoff loss at the, the Jaguars. It was the Jaguars. It's a great matchup. Let me do the other one first. And that was the one where like the, the Steelers put up like 42 points and lost. Is that right? Yes. Portals put up 45. He was unconscious for like three straight weeks. So Kansas City takes on Pittsburgh. It's a Pittsburgh offense that's going to be kind of clicking. They might start off strong. And it's a Pittsburgh defense that could really make it interesting for Patrick Mahomes. I think it's an absolute bloodbath. Do you know how bad I want to pick the upset right now? Feel it. I can feel the vocal fry from you. Screams up, upset. But I will never. Ooh. Ooh. It's so hard to get a, uh, to bet against Mahomes until he deserves not to be betted. You know, I didn't say that like English, but. Yeah, yeah. You know the sentiment. What sucks is in the other one I did, this was my AFC championship game. Let me come back to it. Indy takes on Baltimore in Indy. Fast track. Dream dies. Baltimore moves on. And all that week you get the like, hey, the Colts and the Colts, you know, Baltimore. Yeah. Oh, my God. Another great storyline. See, when you do it like this, it always feels like destiny. <laughs> I'm going to say, though, that we get the matchup that we want, which is Kansas City, Baltimore, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, AFC Championship. I do believe that they're the two best teams. I believe they face it off. And I believe that the Kansas City Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl. I don't know how you pick against them. And I think that it is... Kansas City in the Super Bowl. I don't know who they play yet. We'll have the NFC coming up in two days, but that's my playoffs. I have it as, uh, once again, Kansas City is the one, India is the two, Baltimore is the three, Buffalo is the four, Pittsburgh is the five, Cleveland is the six, the Chargers is the seven, no Patriots, no Titans. Man, overall, where do you think I'm going to be the most wrong? I think the Patriots, you're you're wrong by having them borderline. If they're not going to make the playoffs, and it's pretty clear after two weeks, they're going to go two and fourteen and get Trevor Lawrence. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Belichick would never allow that to happen. Um, I I actually really like the Titans. I I don't know what it is. I like Vrabel. I like the attitude of that team. Yeah. I believe in Ryan. I was one of those guys that I watched Ryan Tannehill 
because I, you know, as an AFC East guy, I watch Ryan Tannehill a lot. And I just kept going like, man, I feel like he's destined for more than this, than the the Dolphins going seven and nine every year. There was that stretch where he went like nine and one or 10 and zero for a while. And I was like, Tannehill might be something if they put the right guys around him. And they did last year. And he did. And I just I, I believe that Tannehill can have that continuity leap we've been talking about with other teams. Yeah. You know why I messed up? I I do think you're, I do think that I'm going to regret putting the chargers over the Titans because the fact that the Titans are going to be able to play the Jaguars twice and the Texans twice, I think is a huge advantage over a chargers team. That's going to be in some battles with the Broncos and Raiders. And so I am going to regret that, but, I want to also throw some chips in there because I think it'll be fun to brag about. Of course it's fun to brag about. Yeah, do it. Cool. All right. That was fun. Always is good. Anything else for me, David Engber? Are we doing our sign-off thing or do you need to do that in a minute? Yeah. Oh, let me just also, I'm going to say this now. Uh, I'm not going to give away any information because I don't know when it's coming out, but um, I'm sad that uh, we are not going to be having Warren Sharp on Thursdays anymore. Uh, and I, I want to tell you guys, I'm, I'm not going to uh, give away uh, what's going on, but uh, I would say uh, very similar to Sims that uh, a guy sat in the seat next to me and uh, people realized how amazing he was. I'm not taking any credit. I think that we can all uh, admit freely that what Warren does is exemplary and he is truly a one of one in this space. Uh, when, when me and Warren talked and we, we kind of talked it all about, I want you to know that we're still buddies and I am still going to be talking to Warren for about an hour and a half on Wednesday nights. And if you don't think that I'm bringing in those gems and taking them as my own or relaying them to you guys as here's the EDSR, here's what Warren's telling me, and I'm just going to do it in a synthesized motion. I'm going to give you the information it's happening and I don't really care. Because that's my guy and he told me I can. So it's sad that he won't be back here. Um, it was stuff above any of our control, uh, but we wish him well. And I, I even know that he reached out to you. And I know you reached out to him, but I know he said some nice things. And Warren's just one of the nicest guys ever. And I'll root for him for the rest of my life. Oh, absolutely. And uh, wherever he ends up, we just we we love Warren Sharp. He's the goat at what he does. And uh, yeah, just... One of the good guys of media that you're always rooting for. Uh, whatever you see on camera, he's just like that off camera. He's yeah. soft-spoken, incredibly smart, incredibly empathetic, uh, just a, a good overall guy. And I, I just want to say it sucks finding this out uh, a week before the year, but I, I hope that you guys have faith in Ingber and myself that we're going to find a fun way to talk about the NFL this season. And if it means, you know, scouring the internet to get the best information out there to present to you guys so that that doesn't take a step back, we will do that. So let me sign off now, get ready for the NFC in a little bit. And holy crap, the NFC, the, the, it's Texans Chiefs on Thursday night. I couldn't be more excited for David Ingber. Don't say anything about someone online you wouldn't feel comfortable saying about them in front of their family. Mm. Did that happen to you recently? No, it's just as we're talking about guys, like a lot of people will listen to a podcast and be like, really? You think every guy's great? You think you're rooting for every guy? Yeah, I pretty much am rooting for everybody because I'm not an analyst and mm. I, I, I want every wide receiver to be awesome. I want every rookie to be awesome. I yeah. want every quarterback to play well. I want every game to be exciting and I want my Patriots to come out on top. And also, I would add to that, um, 
the the sweetest thing is the mute button. Like, <laughs> I, I I work so much with different directors and stuff, and oh, I don't want you to get any bad stuff online. Man, I don't care. It's if you can if you guys can get to a point where you're able to process it and it doesn't impact you. And if you can just think of those people as your biggest fans, they just don't want to admit it yet. It's like a healthy way to look at it. I'm uh, not saying don't say anything negative. I'm just saying don't say anything negative unless you were willing to say it to that person's family oh, in front of them. Which if you have numbers to back it up and you feel strongly about a take, that is your take. Own it. Damn it. Come on, Chargers. Love you guys. L-E-F-K-O-E, man. Holla. We will holler at you guys later. Peace, guys.